Welcome to The Skeptic's Chronicle. We aim to make the mystical arts accessible to all. So whether you are a new baby witch, a wizened crone, or a skeptic through and through, we hope you find this podcast informative and entertaining. This is Liz. And this is Jillian. And welcome to our short, very short, history of Halloween. Uh, But before we jump into that, um, it is... October, so we are in Halloween season, yes. and last episode we did talk about uh, watching 31 Days of Horror in October, so we're going to do a quick touch-in with that before we jump into the meat and turnips of the episode. <laughs> All right, so Jillian, what have you uh, what have you been watching? What's been on your 31 Days of of horror. So um, I've been so busy, I've failed quite miserably at it, but I've squeezed in as much as I possibly can. I did get really wrapped up in the Netflix series Midnight Mass. That was pretty, pretty intense. It is a slow burn and then it kind of like takes off and it was, there were a lot of sort of triggering events in there. So it was a little bit difficult to watch if you've been traumatized by religion or if you've been traumatized by car accidents. So there are definitely some trigger warnings in there and it definitely struck a few chords for me. But ultimately, I thought it was pretty fantastic. So that um, is standing out to me as what's really sort of on my radar and I'm still thinking about it and still sort of processing it. Wow. Yeah, I got, I watched two episodes Mm -hmm. and it was really intense. And then I was kind of like, is what is happening? Is anything happening? Yeah. And again, I got busy and I just, I didn't quite circle back to it yet. Yeah. Episode four. So oh. it's like you get through, cause it's that slow burn, that mm-hmm. character development and all this like sort of character building. And then all of a sudden episode four just goes crazy. And then you're, then you're hooked. I mean, okay. at least that's what it was like for me. I know other people that I've spoken with said the same thing. They made mm-hmm. it through episode one. They made it through episode two and they're like, where is this going? What's happening? This isn't house on haunted Hill. I'm not buying it. Mr. Flanagan. I'm out. And, yes. um, this, you definitely, um, it is worth the wait. I think. Awesome. Yeah. I will, I will go back to that. Absolutely. Um, anything else? I know there has been. I've been watching Creepshow, the series on Shudder. That's just picked back up recently, so I've caught okay. all the episodes of that. It's pretty fantastic if you're a fan of the 82 movie. And it just sort of, it's that campy kind of comic book style horror. Mm-hmm. Joe Hill was responsible for one of the stories. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, so it's pretty, it's cool. If you like that sort of campy, almost horror comedy, um, but definitely some good scares in there, I think that I, I would recommend it. I think it's pretty good. But that's on Shudder. Um, I've been based on that. I grabbed Joe Hill's full throttle short story anthology. Okay. And that's been pretty fantastic. So I'm usually able to squeeze a page or two in before my Kindle falls on my face and I start snoring. Yeah. But, uh, I've been trying, <laughs> I'm really trying. All right. So touching base. Um, so remember how I was going to work through the highly acclaimed horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've failed. Oh, no. Um, I've been working through all of the Halloween movies. Mm. Fair enough. I mean, your timing is impeccable. So, yeah. So, what'd you do? What'd you get? So, uh, I I watched the first, you know, a few of the the original, the OG Halloweens, and then I skipped to the Rob Zombie Halloween. All right. So, just a quick recap of of my opinions um, thus far. Yeah. 
Uh, number one, you know, Halloween, classic. The OG. The OG, one. classic. Jamie Curtis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd seen that one before, definitely. Um, the second one, the sequel. Mm -hmm. Or, or non-sequel. Or non-sequel. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Typical reaction. Uh-huh. It was, it happened. It, it was, was a movie. Fine. It was a movie. It was, it was fine. Um, number three. Uh, so Halloween, Halloween three. Mm -hmm. Season of the Witch. Mm -hmm. um, in a word, inscrutable. Um. If you've ever seen, you know, Halloween three, season of the witch. Oh, I'm so, yeah. You're you, right. So see, three is the non sequel. Yes. Three, three is, is the, the one that deviates. Two is still on board. Yeah. Right, right, right. See, yeah. So yeah, get, three is, uh, it's inscrutable. That's yeah. really all I have to say. Yeah, definitely confusing. And what is happening is this, this is not Halloween. I mean, it's about Halloween and there's masks and there's kids and there's dreadful it, things happening. And a great leading man, but what? It, Why? It is very confusing. It's very divisive. It's yeah. a different Halloween fans. Yeah. People like love it, hate it. It's its its own beast. It's its own thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number four. Why? <laughs> that's 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 really what I had to say about number four was why. Um it, it time jumps, you're not really sure. You know who does this small who does this child belong to? <laughs> um, I I guess. Um, and then we get to number five. Mm -hmm. So Halloween five. What? <laughs> Again, this this child comes back. She's in some sort of home for children mm -hmm. is it a foster home is it like a mental Wait. home for children it's a child's asylum is it a child's asylum um so that is what all right mm -hmm. so then i had to then i i i paused i didn't do you know revenge of michael myers i i, I kind of skipped a little bit okay i will go back and watch them yeah, but i really few, you got a few left h2o yeah mm -hmm. um but i did go to the rob zombie Halloween. Yeah, and where are you at with that one? I okay, okay, cool. All right, I liked it. Okay, that's interesting. It was, it was, it was good. And again, especially after watching, you know, these, you know, five original Halloween movies, and then going to the Rob Zombie one. Of course, you see Rob Zombie's, you know, classic screen of characters. You know, his his leading leading men and ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and it was it was good. I liked it. Definitely really, really gritty, really gruesome. Right, as as is Rob Zombie. Exactly. Work. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did like that they gave Mike Myers a backstory. That's what I appreciated about it. It yes. kind of went into the evolution of the character. I thought the kid was pretty creepy. Oh, right? the kid was real creepy. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was an interesting aspect of it. It's why I appreciate that one. Yes. I so I did like that one, and I am going to continue. Um, I will say my, my partner was a little bit less thrilled when I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to watch all the Halloween. Oh no. <laughs> and he was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Well, that's nice. I mean, he went right along with it. He, he did. Happy Halloween, honey. He did. That's good. Um, so that's where I've been at, uh, with that. Um, as far as reading, um, I've been listening to a secret history of witches, by Louisa Morgan. 
Um, it's good. It is definitely a, an intricate read. Okay. Um, it's fictionalized accounts of a lineage of witches. Okay. So it looks at, you know, a certain, the story from that woman's viewpoint mm -hmm. and then it goes to the her daughter and then her daughter and then her daughter using real historic characters and fictionalizing their accounts or they're all amalgamations of potential yeah they're all fictional okay. characters but they pull in the idea of hereditary or lineage okay. witchcraft all right um and i'm about done with it it's good okay i liked it recommend it recommend it okay. i love the narrator uh, which is really big with audiobooks. For sure. So I really enjoy the narrator. So that's what I've been watching and reading. Okay. Do you read them at regular speed or high speed? Did we talk about this already? Um, I listen to them at regular speed. Okay. Because of like auditory processing. Yeah. Um, I have to listen to it at regular speed. I've actually never tried faster speeds. Yeah. It's anxiety inducing. My partner listens to them at two times speed. So I'll get in the car if he's listening to a book and it's still on. How do I do it? And I'm just like, oh, okay. You, how? How are you taking any of this in? And I'm a fast reader. I'm not. I can't. Yes. Not I, a listener. I am a fast reader yeah. as well. I can sit down and I can probably read a book mm -hmm. faster than I can listen to it. Yeah. And he's the opposite. He's a very slow reader, takes everything in, listens to it at two... I, I got nothing. I don't know how he does wow. it. Wow. Yeah. I get in the car and I want to have a panic attack. I'm like, stop that, please. Just, yes. Yeah. Just no. It's really something. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our, our media check-in. Um, now we'll jump into our very short history of Halloween. All right. Um, Jillian, I know you did um, some really good research. Why don't we uh, hop into some of your research and I'll cap it off with some what Halloween means to witches and a little bit of pop culture, American Halloween history. So I think for me, the thing that always strikes me when I read about holidays that we celebrate is the fact that Christianity has superimposed ideas onto pre-existing ideas that were around long before. Mm -hmm. And uh, Samhain is no different than Easter, than Christmas in that, um, a lot of these ideas were superimposed by the Catholic church to kind of take over these already existing, mm -hmm. uh, these existing things. So with Samhain and you may have to correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, but, um, with Samhain, I know that it goes back to the, the Celts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, and, um, the Celts in Ireland, and it was to celebrate the harvest, um, Celebrating the harvest, celebrating um, the day when the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. One thing that really struck me about the original Samhain celebration is that it was an enormous sense of community. That part of the Samhain celebration was that they would put out all of their hearth fires that were continually burning, and they would all gather around the central bonfire and celebrate. They would dress up in animal pelts and they would tell stories and um, they would gather together for protection for to kind of fortify themselves for the coming cold. Um, what they saw as sort of the season of death, the coming, um, the pending death of not only their harvests, but illness and different things that might happen within the community. 
But so they would gather around this large bonfire. And then at the end of the evening, they would each take a flame from that communal bonfire and take that back with them to relight their hearts. That's that's beautiful. And I love that. Yeah, there was just yeah. something about that is just yeah. this amazing sense of community and togetherness. There's nothing evil about it. There's nothing, you know, um, untoward. Like, you know, I mean, the worst thing, you know, if you're an animal advocate, you say, well, they sacrificed animals. It's like, well, yeah, okay, yeah. And like, that's just been a part of tradition, you know, for, and you've got to put it in its historical context, right. why they did it, the reasons behind it, but just that enormous sense of community that was built mm -hmm. just from that small act, I thought was really, really something to kind of take back with them into that, like, almost impenetrable darkness, because it was the light of the stars and it was the light of the moons that sort of guided their way in the evening. And they didn't have streetlights and land, you know what I mean? So it was just that fire, that communal fire that kind of uh, led their way, which I thought that really kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. And it's really when we start to feel, and we are in, you know, we are in the Northern hemisphere, that end of October is really when we start to feel those longer nights. Mm -hmm. When you, you know, here, when you get out of work, it's, you know, three or four or five and it's already getting dark and mm -hmm. you're, it, it, it shakes you a little bit, yeah. your sense of what, what time is it? Things start to feel a little bit unreal. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially, you know, looking at the end of the harvest and you're really looking to hunker down in the dark yeah. for the next coming months. Yeah. And really they got through it with their community. Yeah. So I, I love that. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. So we have the Celts, British Isles, um, in the British Isles, the Romans eventually took over. So when the Romans took over, they sort of superimposed their ideas then onto mm -hmm. the Samhain celebrations. So there was something, um, called, uh, Feralia. And that was a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. Again, that fascinating sort of among cultures, we have these celebrations of right around that same time of year. Yeah. That that was kind of kind of really cool. Um, they also had a uh, feast of Pomona, which was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. Uh, the symbol of Pomona is the apple. And the incorporation of this celebration into Samhain probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples. Right? So I love that. Mind blown. This whole, again, these ancient, ancient, ancient traditions that we have carried with us. And, you know, you, you had mentioned, you know, different cultures having these same threads. And um, I'm studying some Slavic folklore mm -hmm. and witchcraft right now. And they, too, you know, have the, you know, they'll, they'll put the, the summer maiden to bed. And they bring the winter maiden out. Um, so, and there is that pervasive ancestor veneration um, throughout Mexico. Yeah, you know, you have the Mexico, day the, the Day of the Dead. Um, everywhere, you know, um, the Catholics have All Hallows Eve mm -hmm. and then All Saints Day. Right. So. Again, it's it's ancestor worship, it's ancestor veneration, it's understanding that this is when the veil is the thinnest. It is a liminal space. So just a you know quick word on what a liminal space is. It is neither here nor there. It is both at once. 
Okay. Think of when you're standing in a doorway. Mm-hmm. Are you in or are you out? I know I'm forgetting why I need to go through that doorway. Yes. You're either forgetting that or you remembered what you forgot to leave. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Or you're checking for your phone. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's usually mine. Uh, but it's that liminal space. Okay. And, you know, October, we're winding up autumn. The warmth is falling away. The warmth of the days is falling away. The cold of the nights is creeping in. Uh, and we are recording in Buffalo, New York. And right now, you know, it is definitely the the cold of the night. Yes, very much so. And we're not quite in the, you know, deep cold of winter. Mm-hmm. So we're in that liminal space yeah, absolutely. between seasons. And the veil is the thinnest between the living and the dead. Okay. So all of these cultures have forever understood this, no matter where they are, what they are, no matter what the climate is. Right. Um, it's, it's just this idea of summer dies and winter is born. Okay. So I, I love that, um, about the apple. Yeah. I, I knew it had something to do with like Roman and I knew there was like a a purpose for it, Mm -hmm. but that is, that is awesome. It's very cool. All right. Anything else that you. So just the next step in the process to kind of get us to where we are today is the Catholics. So the Catholics, the Christians then. So superimposing upon the Romans and then upon the Celts, you know, so all these different, um, they kind of wanted to have sort of more control over these lands that they were taking over. They wanted to be able to, you know, um, Big Uni- colonizer energy. Yeah, huge colonizer. I was, yeah, it's. I was going to use the word unification, but it is not because that's got a, like a really good. And no, it is a colonizer. It right. is a very. It's very much like we will control you by any means necessary. Let's give you the most guilt-inducing religion, and let's do this thing right now. Like that's kind of where that's at. So, um, I'm a recovering Catholic. Please forgive. No hate from any Catholics. I, I feel you. I've been there. I just um, the history of Catholicism is uh, is troubling is is definitely very challenging so um when the christians or the catholics however you want to look at it when they sort of took over it turned into all hallows eve um Mm -hmm. you know preceding all saints day and you know it's definitely in most of the history books that it you know took over Samhain. you know they did they no longer wanted Samhain to be celebrated you could potentially be punished if you were still celebrating Samhain. you could be punished if you were um celebrating that uh that roman holiday Um, so that essentially sort of got us to where we are, um, you know, in a nutshell, very tiny history. Mm -hmm. That's the most sort of direct descendant to October 31st, November 1st. Although initially the day was celebrated in May by the Christians. So it was actually a day in May 3rd, May 13th, I think right around mid-May. And I think that they... They swapped it out with something similar, like mm-hmm. same, same, but different. Yes. And I can't remember what it is. So. No, and but it, then it's to superimpose on top yeah. of that the Samhain celebration. So what do, what takes place on All Saints or All Hallows Eve into All Saints Day? What do the Catholics do on All Saints Day? Um, the same, the reverence of the dead. Reverence so of the dead. Reverence okay. of the dead, okay. the saints, the... Um, called the untouchables so the ones that didn't decay the incorruptibles yes okay so yeah just celebrating sainthood celebrating those that have gone before us celebrating those that are that are no longer with us okay um definite veneration of the sainthood cool 
Yeah. So kind of swapping out, and it's also swapping out, um, like ancestors and like our our, our relatives for these saints. Vener venerated saints. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But again, it's it's that kind of colonizer energy because yeah. if you're celebrating your grandma and I'm celebrating my grandma, there's a chance that we're going to unify and celebrate right. them together. But that's kind of your family celebration. That's my family celebration. But if we're all going to pray to St. Francis of Assisi, then all of a sudden it becomes this congregation right around yes. one central yep. figure. So, I mean, that's certainly a way to look at it. Um, Halloween died out a little bit um, if we're going to head to the States, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're going to head to the U.S., the Puritans came over here. They did not like anything. They didn't want Samhain. They didn't want all hell. It was like nothing. They were very, well, Puritans. We can have another conversation about that another I'm day. Sure we will. Absolutely. We can't, <laughs> we can't talk about witchcraft and not talk about the Puritans. So um, take it away, I guess, our, our U.S. Yeah. And, and Halloween right. and how we got to where we are. So... We're going to, so a little, little bit about the, the history in Ireland there. So mm -hmm. talking about where our Halloween traditions come yeah. from. So the jack-o'-lantern came from carving out a turnip. Scariest damn thing you'll ever see. <laughs> um, so there is a, a myth, a story around that. So again, don't have time to go into that, but I highly suggest you look into the story of, uh, I think it's Jack and the Turnip. Yeah. It's not what it's called, but it's about the spirit that yes. goes and, yeah. And we will have some pictures on social media yes. of these terrifying turnip heads. The terrifying turnip heads. It if, sounds like a Nickelodeon 90s, like, yeah, cartoon you, band. Yeah, <laughs> the terrifying turnip yeah. heads. I don't know, slime, slime. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, I took it a different direction. Um, okay, so Halloween. So I want to touch on what it means to a witch. So again, ancestor veneration. There are ways to celebrate your ancestors. There are specific herbs. Um, rosemary is really popular. Rosemary is an herb to use around Samhain. Uh, rosemary for remembrance. Uh, seasonal herbs, sunflowers, turnip seeds, apple leaf. So again, oh, seasonal very, things. yeah, seasonal things that are also kind of built into some of the um, folklore and history. Um, so honoring ancestors, lighting candles, again, that idea of the communal bonfire, uh, making a dumb supper. So a dumb supper isn't just stupid supper. What a dumb supper is, is not talking. So when you cook your meal, you set out a plate for your ancestors, for anybody that has passed this year and before. They still do that in some Asian cultures, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you set out the plate mm -hmm. and you eat dinner and you honor them and you're silent. Wow. So that's a dumb supper. Um, really just kind of breathing in, getting in that autumn nature, getting in some of that feeling the crispness of the autumn of the change and really honoring that um, so that's what halloween means to a witch is really getting into spirit worship ancestor and when i say worship i don't necessarily i mean veneration mm -hmm. i mean honoring Respect. respecting um, calling to honoring so altars remembering passing remembering. those memories on to future generations absolutely mm -hmm. um, pop culture 
you know, Halloween pop culture, huge in the States. Mm -hmm. um, I did want to touch base a little bit on a story about how trick-or-treating kind of came to be. Okay. And this is a fascinating, and it's, I actually had to dig a little bit. I know I, I knew I heard about it. So, and I wanted to talk about it, but I had to dig for it. Yeah. So trick-or-treating doesn't really seem to be widespread until about the 30s. Okay. And Halloween wasn't even widespread here until the 19th century. Yes. So all those sort of traditions that I talked about in the history, that took a long time mm -hmm. to filter down, filter through, get past those Puritans, and then make it to the, the 30s. And the influx of Irish immigrants yes. really helped help that. Um, so they're in the, in the Midwest. This is in Kansas. Um, Halloween was getting kind of rough. Um, people, so if you've heard of like Devil's Night or anything mm -hmm. like that, um, children had always enjoyed the, you know, destroying of property, going around, costumes, anything like that. Um, but what someone in, there was this town called Hiawatha in Kansas. And someone, was, this woman was really, Mrs. John Krebs, she was sick of these kids destroying her garden. So she decided to have a party. She's like, you know what? No, come here, get dressed up, you know, have some candy. We'll do this. There was trophies. There was a Halloween queen contest. And it actually um, led to a reduction in these Halloween pranks. And that's how like costumes and parties, Halloween oh, wow. parties and getting together. That's how that really kind of came to be was because a, a an old woman in Kansas was sick of, you know, those young hooligans uh, destroying your garden. Oh my gosh. So we have Halloween parties and costumes and, you know, community trick-or-treating. Wow. Uh, we have, we have her to, to thank for that. Thanks, Ms. Krebs. Right. Appreciate her. And Absolutely. then, and then we got the bonfires back from Samhain and then we yes. got the bobbing for apples back from the Romans. So we're all, it's like full circle. We've come. Full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Although bobbing for apples, I bet you can't do that now. That's gonna, oh. that's on the back burner. So I did lose. So funny story about that. I, I did have a, a loose tooth when I was a kid bobbing for apples. Oh, so there was that grim discovery of the, you know, the, the trail of blood and oh. my, my tooth with it my tooth was stuck in the apple nice so nice. that's that's uh that's a bobbing for apples memory nice our nice gruesome Halloween yeah. tooth bloody tooth story perfect um so as we're wrapping up here um what's a what's one of your favorite Halloween costumes that you remember that I got to dress up yeah as? oh my gosh so I'd always wanted to do a um a Victorian victim of Jack the Ripper and I love that. No exploitation. I'm very respectful of the stories and the victims and yes, everything behind yes. it. Um, but I got this gorgeous purple. It was actually a can-can dancer yes. costume. And I modified it and I put a long skirt underneath. And I did my hair up in the Gibson girl. Uh -huh. And a friend of mine who's fantastic at makeup and appliances, he did a throat slash across my neck. And every time, like, the pump was in my armpit. So every time I'd, like, squeeze the pump the blood would come out and I had this amazing um, death makeup. Um, and then my uh, partner at the time, we won't say any names because that was a, ugh, but um, he was Jack the Ripper. The costume was amazing because he had one of those great coats with like the short around the top, like the shorter layer around yeah. the top, and yeah. the top hat. 
and it was like my it is my all-time favorite costume i have one grainy picture left because it was in like 2005 you know ages ago right so yeah so that was my all-time how about you oh my gosh now i'm going back to like childhood oh i went yeah yeah my, yeah. yeah so one of my favorites was a black cat i think okay. my mom liked it because it was easy was well, it one of the old school masks? Or no, did I did that. A... Oh, nice. Okay. I did have a super grover plastic, probably flammable, volatile organic compounds. Oh my gosh. Costume when I was probably six. Did you have that book, The Monster at the End of, of the World? Okay, just checking. Yeah. Best book ever. Um, my mom actually just found it and showed it. Oh, that's amazing. And it, they just talked about it in NPR not too long ago. Yeah, I don't know what context it was, but I heard it and it was like when he's bricking up the pages yes. and he's hammering the Yeah. My first monster book. That's what yeah. got me into horror. I'm going to say it was a. Uh, it was, it was Grover. I agree. Yeah. Um, I was a mime. I was a mime. I was a bad mime because I kept talking. Yeah, me too. And I kept wiping my face because the yes. makeup was itchy. <laughs> Let's I compare my, yes. Let's maybe we can find our mime pictures. I'll have to ask my mom if she has Oh, that's some. so funny. I had yeah. the black costume that she sewed. I had, um, so I had a white shirt, like a white collared, okay. like formal shirt. I had suspenders, the black pants. Oh gosh. Yeah, mimes were big when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Shields and Urinelle. That was that show we used to watch. It was the. Yes. Oh my gosh. We're very old. <laughs> we are. All right. All right. Well, though. we are wrapping up. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your listens. Um, go ahead. Follow the show. Like the show. Um, review the show. That would be awesome. If you have any ideas for show ideas or you want to communicate anything to us, um, go ahead and reach out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And thank you so much. And until next time, goodbye.